Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Quarteraro, providing strong advocacy and experienced counsel to corporate and individual clients for over 50 years. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are. Back again. All right, everybody, put down your cell phones and listen to me, because that's the topic. <laughs> of today's lesson i should no, but say wait candy crush <laughs> let me just uh get on tiktok yeah hold on now hold that thought wait i'll text it to you even though you're four feet away i'll tell you i'm tired i could use a filter right now <laughs> we turn you into a cat i'm not a cat remember that one <laughs> or just one of those glowy ones that erases like all the lines and under i bet i'll take one of those so we're back and we're talking cell phones today that was bill sutton who introduced the podcast there yeah bill hey annette i'm bill sutton i'm the managing editor of the express news group also sitting in with us today is brendan o'reilly hey brendan hi annette hi everybody i'm brendan i'm the deputy managing editor and i'm annette hinkle i'm the arts and living editor of the express news group and also this week we have the always fun and ever interesting kaylin riley hey kaylin Hi, everyone. I'm Kaylin Riley, news reporter, somebody who understands cell phone addiction, because even though I'm a 43-year-old adult, sometimes I fall prey to it myself. <laughs> it's true. It is. It's such an interesting topic. And, um, you know, as parents, those of us who are parents always debate, well, you know, what at what age do we get our kids the phones? And does that change their social life? Does that drive them into depression? Does it, you know, what does it do to them? So um, Kaylin's been following around the story, the whole idea of, of cell phone usage in in our local schools. And um, I'm going to throw it over to you, Kaylin, to talk a bit about what Pearson High School is doing in terms of its cell phone policy and how long that's been in place and what the general thought is on cell phones in school and how are the other school districts out here considering to police this or not. So, um, So what are you learning in your coverage of this issue? Well, in my reporting on this story, you know, I kind of started out thinking I was going to be writing about what are the differences in cell phone policy in each school. And I am writing about that. But the the thing that it really ended up being for me as I went through my reporting and realized was it's about the culture of your school district. And so Pearson is a bit of an outlier at this point because they made a real proactive kind of move and have been a sort of pioneer. And, you know, it remains to be seen if anyone's going to follow in their footsteps locally. But they really made kind of a very proactive choice when it comes to cell phones in the schools. So this year, start at the start of the school year, they adopted a new program. It's called Yonder, spelled Y-O-N-D-R. And it is a company that provides um, magnetically locking pouches for cell phones. So this company not only contracts with school districts, but um, if you've ever been lucky enough to be invited to a really hip party um, where the people who were throwing the party might not want anyone taking pictures, you might have had to put your phone in a pouch like that. Or if you've been to any kind of like concert or performance in sort of an intimate setting, you may have encountered it as well. But it's a relatively new thing in school districts. So 
the kids in Pearson in the middle school and the high school, when they show up to school in the morning, um, one of the first things they do is meet up with the school security guard and they are given a, a pouch or they have a pouch they keep with them and they slide their phone in there and the security guard has this circular device that locks the pouch and then the pouch is handed back to them. So the kids keep the pouch and with that has their phone in it on them all day but they cannot open the pouch. I mean, there are some intrepid, determined teenagers who have found ways around this, obviously, because that's what teenagers do. But for the most part, it prevents the kids from accessing their phone while school is in session. And at the end of the day, they report to um, the security guard or some other school personnel that has the device. They get their phone unlocked, they get it back, they go home. Um, so it's an interesting departure. Most schools, Every school obviously has a cell phone policy. Kids aren't, generally speaking, are not allowed to be using them in class. But the lengths that different districts go to to ensure that doesn't happen kind of vary. Some schools just kind of tell them, don't take them out in class. Um, some classrooms, like in Hampton Bays, for instance, and I think in Southampton and some other schools as well, some teachers may have a sort of... Um, wall pouch system in the front of their classroom. Think one of those things that you could slide a bunch of different pairs of shoes in and the kids slide their phone in there so that it's away from them during class. If they need to take a bathroom break, for instance, they can't take the phone with them. But then when class is over, they can, they grab their phone, they go out into the hallway, they can use the phones in the hallway and they're allowed to use them at lunch. So it's just sort of interesting because at Pearson, this was a, you know, a big step without precedent locally. And the teachers there that I spoke to seem to love it. Another parent I spoke to there loves it as well. And they seem to all agree that it's had a really positive impact, not just on keeping the kids from being distracted in class, but socially and emotionally as well. And it's been really fascinating to hear about that in my reporting. Can I ask how long ago did they put the, the policy into place? So um, it started at the start of the school year, but at the end of last school year, they had a representative from Yonder um, give a presentation about it. And um, the Pearson Middle High School principal, Brittany Carriero, and uh, school board member, Jordana Sobe, they were both really big proponents of the idea. And the representative came, gave a presentation, and the board seemed to unanimous, unanimously agree, as well as the administration, that this would be something great to implement. They got a lot of positive feedback from parents. What did it cost? Do you remember? You know, I have to double check the figures, but I'm pretty sure this is like a trial year. And so if they um, if they decide that they want to keep doing it, which based on the feedback I've gotten, I bet they will. I think they end up signing like a contract with them for maybe a couple of years. Um, I did report on what it cost in the original article I wrote about it, but I'd have to look back and check those numbers. But overall, it's not a super burdensome cost to the district. And I think the teachers and the administration would all say the benefit that they're getting from it far outweighs the cost of it at this point. So do you want to talk about some of the benefits and what um, what you're hearing first, I guess, from the um, teachers and the administration? And then maybe we could talk about how the kids are reacting to the whole thing that you've heard? Yeah. So the teachers, like, I feel like it's not an exaggeration to say they're obsessed with it. They love it. Um, it's been really fascinating to hear the many different reasons why they like it. So um, Sean Kelly is a social studies teacher in the school. He told me he's pretty convinced that his students 
grades have gone up because of it. So the student grades have gone up and he thinks that the lack of them being able to get into the phones all day long is a big part of that. But they're paying attention more in class. Basically. Yes, we're engaged, paying attention more. Um, Jamie Mott, who's a middle school librarian, you know, she said she used to see kids come in when they might have a free period and maybe have some downtime where they didn't even technically need to be doing work, but then they would just end up sitting there looking at their phones. Now, instead that they're sitting there chatting with each other, talking to each other, or maybe they do have some work they could be doing and they're actually taking the time to do it because they can't go on their phones. So they kind of, you know, are like, well, I might as well just get this done since I'm here. Um, the middle school guidance counselor was telling me that he sees the kids at lunchtime actually interacting with each other, which, you know, for us old people kind of sounds like, well, yeah, what else are they supposed to be doing? But oftentimes at lunch, they would report seeing the kids all sitting together at the lunch table, all of them staring at their phones and not really chatting with each other. And now they're actually speaking to each other, talking, you know, doing the things that you would imagine kids kids would be doing in school. Right. Yeah, I think that procrastination thing is really interesting because, yeah, it's like, you know, as a mother of a child who recently graduated from college, I feel like the whole time management thing was probably the biggest struggle for her. And I and now that you're, you know, talking about that, what is when you have the phone in the hand, it's like an easy way to not get around to doing the actual schoolwork you're supposed to be doing. So I could see that as being a huge benefit. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious though. It seems to me, I mean, obviously if there's times where, where, you know, they would not be doing work because they're on their phone and now they're doing work. That's a, that's a good thing. But how much of this is an older generation trying to pull kids back in into the ways of the older generation? I mean, it's a it's a different world. It's a changed world. Um, phones can there can be a phone addiction, but phones are a great tool now that these kids are growing up with and 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 using. I mean, obviously it can be a distraction, but. Um, you know, this is this is part of their life now, and I'm wondering, how what's the reaction of the kids that you're taking you're taking this away from them? During, have you talked to any kids? So it's been a little tra challenging to try and talk to some of the kids because the a lot of them, kids. Uh, yeah, I don't, I think they feel a little hesitant to kind of share their views about it. But I've asked the teachers themselves to kind of tell me like what they hear from the kids, and so. By and large, they've said, you know, there's there's definitely a couple of kids that just hate it. And then I think a lot of kids are kind of like getting used to it because it's just that herd mentality when you're in school is like, well, I don't really like this policy, but like whatever it is, what it is, and I can't change it. But some of the teachers have told me every once in a while, the kids will kind of begrudgingly admit to them like, yeah, it did kind of make me realize I was a little addicted to the phone. I think also, you know, the, there's there's a lot of you know, having these phones makes kids want to kind of react about things immediately, post about something that happens immediately in the moment. You know, the the whole impulse control is not, strong impulse control is not something teens are known for. And so, um, you know, if something happens at school, some sort of incident or whatever, you know, 
kids might be tempted to post about it on social media, maybe in the hallway between classes or at lunchtime, not having access to the phone until they get out of school gives like time for them to like take a breath. And so if it was something particularly interesting, they might still be posting about it after school, but at least there's this chance that by the time their school's over, maybe they will either have forgotten about it or whatever. So there's that benefit as well. I think FOMO plays a lot into this where you think if all your friends have the phone all day and you don't, because maybe your parents say, sorry, you don't get to own a cell phone or sorry, you don't get to take your phone to school, but all your friends do, that's got to be killer. But if you go into school and nobody is on a phone that levels the playing field, now there's no more fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody else is in on the joke, but me, well, now there's no joke. You're not missing out on anything. And I think that just makes it that much more tolerable. And I'm frankly surprised that school districts ever began allowing the phones. So I went to a Catholic high school, so they were more restrictive. And also I graduated high school in 2004. So smartphones weren't a thing yet. They were still five years off. And even just cell phones weren't that prevalent. You had a few students who had T9 phones, maybe some students with full keyboards, and they had to hide them. You were not allowed to bring them to school. You couldn't check them between classes. You couldn't have them at lunch. If your phone went off during class, you risked attention. And I don't know that my old high school ever began allowing cell phones. Maybe they let you have them at school because you know you need to call your parents to pick you up from sports practice at the end of the day. But actually like having them in your pocket or in your bag or your backpack when you walk to class, I don't, I still doubt they allow that. And I don't know how public schools ever allowed it. They're just inherently a distraction from schoolwork. They're a way to, that students can cheat in class too, right? Because they could look up the answers if they could hide their phones well enough. How did we ever allow this? Yeah, I'm not even sure they really willingly allowed it. I feel like it was one of those things where the schools just put like threw their hands up in the air because they didn't really know what to do about it. You know what I mean? I know we're going to talk about some of the other districts, but when my daughter was at East Hampton high school, I felt like they were almost like I would go for parent night and I couldn't even get a text off like to my husband who was in another room maybe. So I just wonder, are, are, do any of the schools that you know have like any way to like jam the Wi-Fi or anything? Cause I feel like that's what they were doing at East Hampton, but maybe it's, it's illegal. Is it? Yeah, there's there's FCC rules that you can't have signal jammers that make other people's Wi-Fi, other people's cell phones not work. Well, well at least you have a natural jammer then. It, yeah, it's just because the service there is so poor and maybe they have metal roofs or something. Terrible. <laughs> it was it was a self-imposed uh, cell phone ban, whether they were attempting to or not, I guess. Well, in my high school, I remember there was a rumor that they had a cell phone jammer because that's how concerned they were uh, about students using cell phones in school. But I, I honestly think it was just a rumor that the students had started and never actually existed. But the story was that the school got in trouble for having it because you're not allowed to jam hmm. cell phones. Yeah, it is really interesting. You know, it's and but to Bill's point before, too, I think some people have this sort of mentality of like, okay, we understand that these phones can be a distraction, but they aren't going away. And so we have to sort of teach the kids how to actually use them the right way and like build up their resilience to, um, to resisting the urge to use them. So I think there's definitely two schools of thought, one of which is like, don't let them have them at school at all. It's not like you're saying they can never have them. And then there's the other school of thought, like 
they're going to eventually go to work and have to have their phones with them and learn how to not be distracted by it. And I'll tell the story that I told the other day to a couple of people, you know, when we've had, um, we've had interns that are, that are college students come into the office and I don't want to call any of them out specifically, but um, you know, I, I would be in the office with, with these interns, you know, and, you know, in the last couple of years and, and you would, and they would be at their desk, you know, working and you would walk by and, and they would have their, their cell phone kind of hidden underneath their desk and they're on their phone, you know, and, and you know, that that's, that's a, a practice that they've, they've brought in from, you know, from high school and from college. And, and I told that one intern, I don't care if you use your phone, you can use your phone. You don't need to, to hide it. Your, your time management is, is, is your own, as long as you're getting your work done. And it just struck me odd that, you know, that, that this intern had to, you know, thought they had to hide their cell phone use in, in the workplace. It was just really. So did that change the behavior? Did the intern then not hide it after you said that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I I think maybe they were a little self-conscious about when they were, when they were using it, but, but yeah, it came out from under the desk, I think. The other thing that I, that I've heard too, and so you know, I've heard anecdotally from some parents that I know in the district that I live in that they, they're not, they don't really think something like this is necessary and that they wouldn't actually not even want it. Um, mostly from parents who think, who don't feel like the phone is causing their kid a distraction, you know, they're getting good grades or doing okay socially. I think that colors your experience too, right? Like if you have a kid that's been bullied online on social media, or if you have a kid that's like, struggling with their grades and a teacher has told you that they've had a problem with their cell phone or maybe a kid that's done something dumb on and gotten in trouble for it then sure you might be like yeah please take the phones away but if you feel like it's not problematic for your kid and you communicate with your kid that way you might not want it um one big elephant in the room is you know we live in a country where there's school shootings all the time and i think for some parents the anxiety around that, knowing that their kids have their phone on them and could contact them, God forbid something bad was happening, is like a is a comfort to them. And, and, and again, I, I think I think that goes to to my point about a changing world where we are now accustomed to being in touch with everybody in our life at, at a moment's notice, whether it's parents and kids or um, you know spouses or partners or or, or whatever. I mean, and that was just saying that, you know, I mean, sending a text message to her, her husband in, in another room that that's part of our culture now and part of what we're used to. Yeah. So in those instances, sometimes where the kids do have their phones on them, on the one hand, yes, maybe they could reach out to their parents. But on the other hand, when a law enforcement agencies or first responders are trying to get everyone to safety, people are distracted looking at their phones, it can make their job harder or more challenging. The rumor thing is really a big one, I would think. Right. But the other point that Brittany made too was like, so look, the kids have the pouches on them at all times. And in an emergency situation, if you need to open those pouches, even if you don't have the magnetic locking device, you can. I mean, we were kind of laughing because she was like, we're not, you know, I don't know how many teenagers are listening to our podcast, but we probably shouldn't give the like step-by-step process of how to open your yonder pouch. Although I would suspect that some of them could probably figure it out already if they were so motivated. But the point is, even without the unlocking device, 
God forbid you're in a lockdown situation, sheltering in place or whatever, if you needed to get those phones open, there are those pouches open, there are ways to do it, ways to access the phone. So that's sort of the counter argument to, I want my kid to be able to have the phone on them in case of an emergency. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Porteraro, providing strong advocacy and experienced counsel to corporate and individual clients for over 50 years. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sac Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSacHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. So is there any talk about putting a payphone back in the uh, lobby of Pearson so kids can call? God. I mean, listen, I went to Pearson High School. I graduated in 1999 and me and my friends still joke. And I'm sure this is a joke a lot of people share. There was a payphone in that lobby. And when you got home from practice or a game and you needed to let your parents know it was time to pick you up, what you did was you made a collect call. And then it was, would you accept a collect call from Come pick me up at practice. Right. You don't even have to say if, if they get to collect. They to, no, we don't accept the charges, but then we'll be there in five minutes. No, because I'll tell you what, my dad would get very upset with me if I made him have to accept a collect call. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe it cost him like what, a dollar fifty, but he was still angry at me. And what kid would know how to make a collect call today? <laughs> I don't, but that was like our workaround. I just remember like when I started, when I was at the Express, like I was like, would deal with the, you know, the older um, readers who would be moving their subscriptions um, to Florida or, you know, calling from somewhere else. But first of all, they always said, I'd like to change my prescription. And then they would say, I'm I'm calling long distance. So the meaning like, hurry up, this is costing me money to change my address. So, um, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really affect right. people like it used to. Yes, I'm calling long distance, you know, it's like, but it's so funny when I hear people. Right, like a long distance Stop call. Stop to it, it's long distance. Yeah, yeah, oh, forget it. I don't. I can't even remember who I may have been calling, but like if I had been on a out-of-state call, my parents would be like, you better not be on the phone. Yeah, exactly. But there's exactly. another funny thing too. So one of my old classmates sent a picture from us when we were in high school. So again, this was 1999, and one of the teachers had a sign on the wall, and it said, the law, no beepers. And there was like no food, no drink, no, you know, no something else, but no beepers was one oh. of the things. So it's kind of wow. funny to think of like, you know, the, the former distraction in school used to be if someone's like beeper went off. Wow. That's something. Yeah. Dating, yeah. dating myself for sure here, but yeah, it's a fascinating topic because as Bill said, the cell phones are not going away. And so we have to just you can't like ostrich the situation, like stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. But there is a real, there are really so many examples of how they can really be detrimental to teens for so many different reasons. And so, you know, whether or not you agree with what Pearson's doing, you have to sort of applaud them for being sort of, you know, willing to take a a proactive step and be one of the first school districts to do it. And whether or not anyone chooses to follow is, 
is up to them, but I think it's good for people to kind of have a real sense of what it's been like, how the teachers feel about it. And, you know, maybe they'll consider it, maybe they won't. It feels almost punitive. And and I wonder if there's more of a middle ground. In it. And I know that you talk to, uh, to Hampton Bays and they, and they have teachers where they have those closet organizers hanging from the door where, where kids are putting their cell phone while they're in class, while they're supposed to be focusing on class. But then at the end of the class, they get their phones back if they need to contact their parents or their parents need to contact them between classes or study hall or lunch, then they have their phones. I'm wondering if that's maybe a, a better choice. I wonder about that. But, you know, we all got through high school without texting our parents between class and our parents. But it's a, but it's a different it's a different world now. It's it's just a different. I I yeah, I know we're, we're, we're constantly connected and I, I just don't know that it's an improvement I think that there's a lot of kids who can benefit from not um, being in constant contact with their parents all day in high school and middle school. Like when we went to high school, we. But, but is that is that for us to decide or for the school to decide or is that for the parents to decide? Well, I, I do think school's a learning environment first and it's not there to make sure that like, you know, the parents can ask their kids what they want for dinner um, or you know, text them about stuff that's Ill irrelevant to their work. Like there's going to be times where it's like, oh, mom, I forgot my textbook. Oh, my project is, is on my desk. Can you just run it up here? And that's going to be super convenient. They don't need to go to the office to ask for those things. And maybe, maybe that is better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a problem solving thing though. I think you're right though. Yeah. Kids need to learn how to talk to adults if they, you know what I mean? Like that is, is like a crutch to be able to just text mom and say, bring my lunch as opposed to having to walk down to the office, you know, introduce yourself to the person at the desk and say what you need, you know, like that's a real skill set, right? But that's why at the end of my reporting, I kind of said to myself, this isn't really a story about cell phones. This is a story about a school's collective mm -hmm. culture and what they have, what they have decided collectively as a culture and a community, they want they want themselves to be. And so to me, it's no surprise that Pearson was, you know, Sag Harbor was the school district that did this because Sag Harbor kind of has a tradition of being an outlier when it comes to making certain choices. So they were the only school in 2021 that did not allow their basketball teams to play because right. of COVID. They only school coverage area. Anyway, I think there was maybe one other school on Long Island that did that. They are the only school district that remains, you know, um, well, it's a sort of split decision, but obviously votes happen and whether it's a strong minority or not, they, they are a district that has kind of proven over the years that they don't have the collective will or desire to put in an artificial turf field. There's enough people in that community that are just really against it and now you have this cell phone situation where most of the other schools are kind of okay with what their policy is now but in Sag Harbor they kind of decided that that was something that they wanted to to do away with. Hi I'm Joe Shaw executive editor of the Express News Group. You might recognize my voice because frankly it's everywhere on the radio, television, podcasts, and at live events that we regularly hold. I wouldn't blame you for being a little sick of hearing my voice, but there's a reason for all that. In addition to keeping you informed by publishing the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, and the Sag Harbor Express, and the website 27east.com, we have another goal. We believe local issues are so important that they deserve to be discussed 
discussed and debated, and we want to lead those conversations in every place that we can. In fact, it's a key part of our mission. It makes this a better community. You can help us. For just $5 a month for both print and digital, you can stay informed as you join the discussion, and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are supporting the press and the Express and 27 East and all that we do. Go to 27east.com backslash subscribe and talk to you again soon. What's the name of the company again? Yonder. Yonder. Does Yonder collect statistics, I wonder, on the schools using their technology and compare their test scores maybe to a before and after. I just wonder if they're doing any data collection on the, on the schools that they. Or they are because they're a for-profit business. And so they want to be able to, um, you know, I, I have to look back at their original presentation, but yes, I'm sure they have because, you know, that's how they, that's how they pitch it to schools and get schools to participate. And I wonder if it's, is it being used a lot, like in any particular reasons, like, you know, or regions, you know, is this like a, a big California thing or is it like this, does the city, do city schools tend to be more into this idea than some of the more rural districts? And, you know, just wondered if that would, I think could be really interesting to figure out. Like, Well, I think, I think the reason that um, Brittany Carriero, if I recall correctly from my original reporting on the board of ed meeting um, at the end of last school year, I think she was even aware of it because it was something that had been implemented in a school district that she used to work at in Manhattan. Okay. So my sense is that it is um, something that a lot of maybe more private or elite kind of schools um, become interested in. And that sort of tracks, I think, with, you know, parents and parenting, like, <laughs> So because I am a parent, I feel qualified to say this. I think the worrying and certain things that you worry about is a luxury. So when you are a parent who, for instance, might be worried about putting food on the table, you probably don't have a lot of bandwidth left to worry about like how often your kid might be on their phone at school during the day. But if a lot of other aspects of your life are, um, if you have a lot of just privilege, privilege to, you know, have enough money, wealth, whatever, you may have more bandwidth to worry about things like that. And so I think this could be a generalization, but I think that if you have a lot of um, privilege, you might have a little more angst about certain things and be more willing to do, it's like a more of like a hyper parenting kind of situation. That's just sort of my- That's interesting thought but I think that um, I don't think that always applies but I definitely think the same kind of parents who might be like fretting a lot over you know making certain types of food from scratch for their kids or eating clean or all those kind of things probably have more mental energy to expend on something like this it's really fascinating yeah and before anyone thinks I'm up on any kind of high horse, I have definitely on multiple occasions texted my 12 year old while she's at school. I need you to take the bus home today. I'm busy, whatever it is. So, that being said, if they implemented something like this in her school, I'd be fine with it. I'd say, I'll just call the secretary if I need to get in touch with her then. So what about the younger two? At what age are they getting their phones? 
Well, um, my oldest daughter has made it quite clear to us that she will be very, very upset if the long and torturous wait for a phone that she had to endure is ever any shorter for them. She will probably like take us to court. So they will be getting at the same age as her. She got hers the summer before seventh grade. And let me tell you, she was one of the one of the last. Right. Well, that's what I wondered. Did they any talk about implementing this pro this uh, program at the elementary yeah. school level? Um, Michelle Traring, who did did a lot of help reporting on this, and she's been covering Southampton School District. In her conversations with their superintendent Nick Dino, he mentioned something about them having to think about it because there are some there are kids who get some kids who get phones when they're in third grade. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's just okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the world we live in, guys. In a few in a few years, it'll just be implants, yeah. you know, in the hospital when you're when you're when you're born. That's true. Yeah. Well, you saw that that new Apple thing where you basically just wear it on your head. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. You know, my son's commercial for that. He's seven, and he he wants one. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine. I like they showed it. The thing I saw was they were like some woman was like making a recipe with that on her head. I'm like, I am not going <laughs> to bake cookies with a 12 pound thing on my head. I mean, listen, if, you know, reading the recipe. It's like onions. Maybe it helps. Well, do you still have to <laughs> sit through the blog posts that they write for SEO purposes oh, before? If it's implanted in your brain, do you get to skip the life story of the author? <laughs> that would make me. That would make it worth the price of admission for me. You know, a lot of schools across the country, I shouldn't say a lot, but scattered across the country, there's schools with Luddite clubs that the students have started on their own initiative. And yeah. they're not quite Luddites because they're not exactly reading books. They're they're just using T9 phones instead of smartphones. Yeah. And that's what passes for a Luddite these days. Yeah. But, you know, every school should have a chapter of the Luddite club. Yes. Yeah, the kids that are going, or the flip phone folks, you know, it's yeah. all good <laughs> <laughs> it's like going off the grid it's like eating granola and living in a shack for they for really want to go back to 90s fashion and style trends they got to go all the way man don't stop at the like you know return of like chokers right. and flared like you're gonna go retro and, and they can oh. stay off my grass <laughs> would you stuck up for them bill <laughs> you're probably if they were listening to this podcast they'd probably be like Bill Sutton for Sag Harbor School Board. <laughs> you don't want to do that. I, I really, it, it feels punitive yeah. to me. Um, okay. But I'm not a parent, so I, I don't, you know, I, I qualify that. How would you feel if your if your dogs like always had their cell phones on them? Oh my God! Could you could you? <laughs> I couldn't get anything done. I could never leave the exactly. house. Instead of just going to the door, they're texting you, Bill. I need to go out now, Bill. Where's the Where are the bacon's? Where Where are the Where are the milk bones? That's right. I can't find them. <laughs> There's an account that's called like Texts from yeah. Dog, and it's all really? it's like texts your dog <laughs> would send you. I think Bill needs that. There's also funny accounts of like parents like sharing like horrible texts their teens send. Like when my friends come over, please stay in the basement or things like that, you know. Anyway, it's part of our life. Here it is. So hopefully nobody was texting while we were doing this podcast. I'll tell you what, I there are certain days that I could use one of those yonder pouches, man. Yeah, that's what I wonder. I was just thinking like, you know, be kind of interesting to get them for home use too, right? 
Why not? It would be like the kind of thing where like when you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy and you buy all this stuff. And then like the next day you're in the fridge, like, damn it. Why did I do that? I just want some. <laughs> Buyer's remorse. Got it. Get back on your phones, everyone. Oops, got to go get that. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro, providing strong advocacy and experienced counsel to corporate and individual clients for over fifty years. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.